Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Okay, Sunday night, the uh, 17th, right? Yes, okay. So, we've been talking about salvation because this is really where we live. I mean, we live in this fallen world. There's always going to be stuff going on because the whole world's running downhill. But that's where the blessing of salvation comes in. Defense, deliverance, protection, victory, mm-hmm. prosperity, healing, wholeness, everything set at one. Um, the promise of those things that's in Jesus' name belong to us. But this is the deal. God's done all he's going to do. Jesus has done all he can do. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The rest of it is up to us. And what we have to do is access salvation by faith. It's what we do. And um, um, so it's always available. It's just a matter of, of us getting with the program. Kind of like, you know, that picture of the, of the embassy and the ambassador. Wherever you, wherever you are, your house is your embassy, and we're just parked wherever we are. And um, with any embassy, that piece of ground, no matter what country it's in, belongs to the country that it represents. It, it, is, it is home soil. Even in a foreign land, that's home soil. So no matter where we are, this soil is in the kingdom of God. That's where our kingdom is. But every ambassador is out in the world to reflect the glory of the nation that they represent and to show the, the good side of, of what we represent. So you and I as ambassadors are to be the reflection of the glory of God in this world. But we don't live off of what's in that country, wherever you are, the am, the embassy always lives out of what our nation provides for them. All of the things that they need come from the country that they represent. doesn't come from the country that they're dwelling in. So you and I, in a foreign land, have to access everything that we need from our, from our homeland, which is the promised land, God's kingdom. So that's where we are, and then we take what we have and bless wherever we go with it. But we still have to access it from our homeland, from God's kingdom, not our own. So that's where we come into difficulty is, is in the accessing part. So last week we started talking about, well, we, even the week before we were talking about um, the forces and the resources that are available to us. And, and um, um, I read you a quote um, from, from one of the um, articles. I can't even find it now to read it to you again. But um, let's see. Man has dominion over nature and therefore is able to combine and use its forces, nature's forces. So in the spirit realm, seated together in Christ Jesus, we are able to combine and use the infinite forces and resources of the divine. So we talked about all the mechanisms in us, but out of those mechanisms come forces and we can draw resources. 
So that's what we're looking at. And and last week we started looking at the pi- the product that comes from your imagination. Not your imagination, but the product, which is a vision. It's seeing things the way God sees them, with God's eyes, understanding things with God's understanding and not our own. Um, it's like in Isaiah, 50, I think it's Isaiah 50. Go to Isaiah 55. Let's just start there. Isaiah 55. Because God calls us... No, Isaiah 54. Nope. I'm sorry, it's Isaiah 55. I was right. Yeah, well... (laughs) I was in the target range. I might not have been on the bullseye, but I was in the target range. I'm telling you what. Yeah. You know about words, I just have to There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's what you what you see that you believe to be true. What your imagination produces are images of what you perceive to be truth. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. But those images are so important. You know, Proverbs says, "Without vision, the people perish." Without without the vision, people perish. So we we need to be aware of the power of what we envision to be true. Um, and it's not the imagination itself, but the product in our imagination that leads us to um, speaking and acting, which changes our environment, changes everything. So. God is always trying to deal with that. You know, he told Noah from the beginning, he said, look, you're off the boat. Your sacrifice is wonderful. And therefore, this is it. Men are always going to have a darkened imagination. They are always going to have an evil and darkened imagination. But I promise you this, I will never again wipe all men off the face of the earth. You know, that was his covenant and set the bow in the heavens But he freely said, men will continually have evil imaginations. Mm -hmm. Darkened imaginations. The thing that makes ours different is that we have that neshamah, the light and the glory of God back in us. So we have a light imagining. You know, we, we have the ability to imagine correctly, rightly. Okay. So it's the product... Um, if you read here, then we're going to go to um, um, Hebrews 12, so what Hebrews 11. Verse? Um, in chapter 55, start with verse um, oh. 3. Oh, okay. I thought we were <clears throat> we'll read verse 3 and then just skip down to verse 6. <clears throat> Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked, the twisted, forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. In other words, step away from your old self. Step away. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Because... My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's saying, get rid of your thoughts and your ways. Take my thoughts. Seek me and my thoughts while I can be found. You know, I want you to think my way. And and um, and then imagine my way instead of your way because my ways are higher than your ways. We want to always be moving to higher ground, always. Um, and then here it goes. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither but waters the whole earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may... Uh, give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so will my word be that goes forth out of my mouth well goodness gracious who who is the mouth of the Lord in this earth right now we are we're the body of Christ so the word of God going forth out of our mouth should bring forth and bud should produce and um, give seed to the sower and bread to the eater it should be producing good in the earth And it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. So God's word in our mouth is is very fruitful. Okay? It, It is the way that you take from God, plant it in the earth. It's just that way. Um... In Hebrews, well, we don't have to go back to Hebrews because we've been there so often, but Hebrews 12.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, and that word in the Greek, evidence, could, it literally means like copy or blueprint of things not seen. So where do we blueprint the things that we can't see with our physical eyes? In our imagination. Mm-hmm. So the blueprints are the things that are produced in your imagination. But, but like a builder who looks at a blueprint, the builder acts as if that's what's going to come up in front of him. He doesn't try to imagine every step. He takes the blueprint and then reproduces it. You and I do the same thing. We make the blueprint and then talking and acting, we reproduce it. Whether it's right or not, that's what we do. So um, the power in that blueprint that product, you know, whatever it is that we see here that that we believe is going to manifest itself in front of us, it's going to come out of our mouth because that's the way we create, you know. So the product of your imagination is very powerful. God spends a lot of time dealing with the imagination, mostly the imaginations of men who are are darkened. But um, go to Proverbs 6. We'll just read one quick thing here. Yeah, Proverbs. This is an oldie goldie. This is the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. But I want you to look at this because this is exactly, you know, this of all the things in the earth that really got the Lord, this is one of them is an evil imagination. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, start with verse 16. I'm reading from the Amplified. These six things the Lord hates, indeed seven are an abomination to Him. 
a proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others, a lying tongue and hands that shed blood, and here it is. And I love what the Amplified says, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts. The heart is the same thing as the center of your imagination. The heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. And then feet that are swift in running to evil. If you manufacture and you think it up, your feet are going to be swift to follow what you believe to be true. Because that's just the way we are. Whatever we believe to be true, we're going to act as if it's true. Whether it is or not doesn't matter. We're going to act that way. So the Lord says a twisted or an evil imagination, those things that we um, think and design of our own that are counter to what God says, He hates. Because instead of building the kingdom, we're destroying the kingdom. So when you look at this research, you know, just brain research, um, more and more they're finding, you know, of course they find out, they found out how we learn. Everything that comes in, every thought that comes to you comes as electromagnetic energy. And, it, and it, it flies through your brain from the front, you know, heading toward the back, being processed through your imagination or wherever it has to go. Your brain knows. But if you think a thought long enough, it's going to come in through the same pathway over and over and over again. That's how we get rote memories. Um, you repeat a thing, repeat a thing, repeat a thing until you have what I call, I mean there is a scientific term, but I call them learning trails. They're trails. Times. 20 times. You got it. There you go. And you have an electromagnetic trail blazed in your brain. Well, for years, they just thought that that was all permanent. But what they have discovered, you know, I'd say in the last 20 years is what they call brain elasticity. Which means you completely, you can completely re-program uh, or ju- literally almost change the makeup of your brain. You can physically change the makeup of your brain by changing your thought patterns. Caroline Leaf is just full of that. She is, yes, oh, she's excellent. And um, so God, of course, knew that before we did. And in Romans 1, he says, you know, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. And that word transformed is metamorpho, which is metamorphosize your brain. Completely reorganize it, change it, the, the makeup of it, the, you know, everything about it. Um, so that you will not conform yourself to this world. Um, <clears throat> God knew about brain elasticity long before we did. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. All right, go to Mark 4. The amount of time we think about stuff, and I know this is old ground, but um, it's kind of good to, to just go over it. Mark 4. Um, let's see. 
Alright, start with verse 9. Jesus has just finished talking about the sower sows the seed. And <clears throat> we've been through this, but you know, whatever is planted in your brain, if it's nourished and nursed along, it's going to stick. Your brain, um, the more you repeat something, like it, it starts in the front of your brain. And you get a, a sticky note. A thought goes through your brain. You think about it for a minute. You get a sticky note. And it's on your desktop. Okay. The more you interact with that, in other words, the more you think on it, and it arouses either confirmation or even emotion or whatever, your brain begins to release chemicals on that thought. And so it glues the whole thing right to your desktop. Now, if you just think on it a little bit, it's just a sticky note. We have a, a vacuum system in our brain that goes through your brain when you sleep, and it sucks up all the loose sticky notes that don't have any glue on them at all. And it just peels them right off. That, and that's why, you know, your mom always said things will look better in the morning. They do. Because your your vacuum system has gone through and cleaned up your brain, organized your thoughts, kind of grouped them up. Um, scientists say, really, when kids study, they're not really learning until they go to sleep. And they keep telling kids, you know, the night before test, you need to sleep long and hard. Study early and then sleep long and hard, because that's when your brain learns. Is You know, we take in the information, but your brain learns in the night, which is interesting, isn't it? And um, so sometimes even, you don't even have to have a lot of thought about something, but if you have a quick emotion over something, uh, like a bit of bad news, or you see something that has a shock value or a very warm moment, your, your brain will excrete a whole lot of chemicals on that moment, that flash, and it'll burn a permanent image in your brain. Like, where were you when Kennedy was shot? You know, everybody has that image in their mind when you first heard that Kennedy was shot. It just is burned into your brain. And there's certain images that happen in an instant that you, you know, your brain just instantly makes that print. But for the most part, it's determined by the amount of time that you dwell on something. You know, to get it into your mind. And um, so Jesus addresses this. He's talking about the seeds, what, the condition of your brain when things go in. Sometimes it's really good soil. Sometimes it's not so good. But um, he says, this is it. Look at verse 9. He's already told him the parable, and he finishes the parable this way. He says, let he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. He's talking about your mind's ears and your mind's eyes now, not your physical ears. And as soon as he was done alone, those who were around him and with him began to ask him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. That is the secret counsels of God, which are hidden from the ungodly. But for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable. Well, why parables? Because they are pictures that are painted. Your brain takes in images. So this is a more direct shot right to your brain when you can paint the image of it. 
in order that they may indeed look and look but not see and perceive and may hear and not hear and not grasp and comprehend lest and the word lest there literally should be um, so that perhaps is the better way that the better way to put it so that perhaps happily they should turn um, grasp and comprehend less happily or perhaps they should turn again and um, it should be forgiven them so he's saying if I can get the image through to them perhaps because they have regular physical eyes and regular physical ears but they don't get it if I can paint the image perhaps they will hear and in Matthew it says and they can be healed you know he adds and they can be healed and he said to them do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all the parables? And then he goes into it. Um, let me see if I can find... Um, let's see. Look at verse... Skip down to verse 25. Okay, after he explains the parable, again he says, If any man has ears to hear, let him be listening. And let him perceive and comprehend. Verse 24 he says. He said to them be careful what you are hearing. And here's the spiritual law. The measure of thought and study. That you give to the truth you hear. Will be the measure or the virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. For to whom. For who has ears to hear will be more given. And from him who has nothing, no ears to hear, even that which he has will be taken away. Um, So the measure that you meet in the thought and the study of of whatever is going to produce something in you. The product of your imagination. Okay? And that product is going to be, when you open your mouth, when it's fully in your mouth, seed sown. And when the seed is sown, it's going to bring forth a crop. Whatever it is, it's in there. So take heed what you listen to. Take heed what you think on. Okay? Or truth or a lie, it doesn't matter. Such a strong image in you um, that you act on, it will eventually shape your world around you. It will eventually shape the way you live your life, how you, uh, you know, whatever's going on, it will eventually shape that. So, um, you need to become that strong, powerful person like Jesus was. So you have to clean out your old worldly imaginations completely and replace them with what God says about your circumstances. And and, uh, we talked about this last week. That requires time. And energy. It's not something you're going to do by just reading, you know, your daily devotional and coming to church on Sunday or even a Bible study. This takes time. A lot of time. Like like God told Joshua, he said, look, and we're going to talk about Joshua because he's our paradigm here. But um, he said, look, Joshua, you have to keep that word in your mouth and in front of your eyes. Meditate on it day and night, day and night. Don't let up on it. Don't stop anytime. Always keep that word going in front of you. Then you will make your way prosperous. And um, so a lot of times we're just not, we're not willing to take that that much time um, to do the work. Um, 
But that's what it requires. Um, I was going to see if I could find this and read it to you one more time. Because um, it's really true. When you're raised up to such a position as we've been given, and you um, are seated together with Jesus in heavenly places, um, you know, for you to lay down right there, just sit on it, is the height of... Um, Yeah, well, that and laziness. I mean, that is utter laziness. Just because you have a high position doesn't mean you're going to produce anything. But from a high position, from that vantage point, you have the capability of producing everything. But if you just get up there and, you know, just get born again, get into the kingdom and sit down, that is the height of laziness. And um, we cannot allow ourselves to do that. So, um, you just want to be sure that you are spending the time. The amount of time that you spend in your thought and everything. That's going to determine how strong those images are in you. And I love what um, Kenneth um, Hagin said. Look at the Word until you see yourself as the Word sees you. And I just love that. Keep that word in the midst of your eyes until you see yourself as the word sees you. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Yeah, so okay, so that, the product of our imagination. Those are those strong images that we believe to be true. That is a force and a resource. Okay? um, And out of that resource, out of the abundance of your heart... Your mouth's going to speak. So the force that comes, the next force that comes is our voice and God's logos. Um, Logos in the Greek literally is thoughts, understandings, and reasonings that are spoken and declared. So the force that comes out of our mouths with our voice um, carry a power with it that that we have no comprehension about. We don't really have any comprehension of the power that we release there. Um, when you think, Paul said in Ephesians, we have the very same power in us that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a lot of power. And in Ephesians 3 it says, we have the power in us to do infinitely beyond our highest hopes and dreams. Anything we can imagine. That's how much power is in there. So when you release a spoken word, um, powerful things happen. We just don't realize a lot of times what we have spoken, you know. Um, Another homiletical note. I I tell you, I just love this little thing. But um, it says, the Logos denotes the beginning of the movement of divine creative energy from which spring... The material universe. The Logos, the declared word of God, is the beginning of the movement of the divine creative energy from which sprang the eternal universe. You open your mouth, the power that created the universe begins a movement. Whatever it is, it begins a movement. To wrap my mind around that, I, that really, I had to stop and just, um, I had to think about that mm-hmm. one, you know. 
I had to really think about that. My spoken words, my declared word of God begins a movement of the divine creative energy. And it also brings about the end. And it brings about the end. Yeah. Amen, Bill. Brings the supernatural down into the natural. Yes, it does. Yes. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's it. Alpha and Omega. The beginning word, the end word. That's it. And and um, so when we begin to speak, the divine creative energy begins to move in our universe. I I think if I realize that, I mean just just take that one statement and chew on that long enough to realize when you speak to your circumstances. When you declare out of your mouth what God says about you um, and what God says about what you have, and you speak it, you will be more absolute certain that it's coming, that it's going to appear, that we have it already, that it's just going to manifest. You know, if you really believe that when you open your mouth, divine, creative energy begin moving all at once. I, I, that's one of the coolest little statements ever to me. And this book. You got it already, Andrew Womack. Yes, there it is. It's, it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. You are already, you know, you've already got it. That's it. Jesus has done everything he's going to do. It's like the television signal. The signal has already been broadcast. Yeah. You're not seeing the picture. It's not God who isn't transmitting. It's your receiver that isn't working. <laughs> there right. you go. You need to get into the owner's manual, God's Word, and start studying. Find out how to turn the thing on, tune it in, eliminate the static, and deal with things to get the best perception. Don't say, I'm waiting on God. That's not how it works. Mm-mm. By whose stripes you were healed. Emphasis mine. Uh, God is waiting on you to believe and receive. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Andrew Womack. And thank you, Nancy, for delivering it. And that's exactly right. And I, you know, I mean, I, I know about the declared word, but I never thought of it as a force, you know, as a spiritual force in that sense. That it is literally the creative power of God beginning a movement. And you just go, wow. You know. The word Barak? Yes, uh-huh. it is. And um, we have that same creative power that comes Yes, Barak Asa. You're exactly safe, right. We can do the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it um, just to line up with his word, we can mm-hmm. declare just anything. Yeah, well, you, if you declare the wrong thing, yeah. Yeah, you do. That's exactly right. Yeah, you're right. Line up if you want the right result. That's right. You have to say what God says. You just have to. You're right, Tina. Absolutely right. I never say my arm or my back is killing me because it will. It will. Yeah. And um, But isn't it interesting how the devil puts that death words in our mouth all the time? Yeah. Yes. Always, those are the first things. I mean, you know, um, to die for. Yeah, oh, that's so to die for. Die. Yes, yeah. Okay. Even in a positive sense, exactly right. Yes, I just love you to death. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, and it just comes out so naturally, but it's worldly. Yeah. And we need to split those hairs. We need to be careful what we do. Um, our voice, speaking from the abundance of our imaginations, releases that force 
of faith, that creative substance. And there will be, like Bill says, a creative outcome. There will definitely be a creative outcome. So um, we've talked about this business of of what you put in, you know. And and, um, in Matthew 12, um, he talks about the good... And the, and the evil. Go to Matthew 12. This is the oldie goldie too, but we'll look at it anyway. New eyes here. Well, the thing is, since we've learned a lot of these concepts, you know, throughout the years, we just keep learning and learning and yeah. building and building right. and building upon those And so it just reinforces and you can keep adding on to that. Yeah, you're absolutely put right. Put it into practice and see the results. Yes. Oh my, yes. So it's all right to go over some of these concepts because they're building blocks. Yeah. We need to remind ourselves. Well, we do. And I, I know that's why the Lord gave it to me because I, I mean, the more I've been in this, the longer I've chewed. He's been chewing on me, uh, you know, about these things. Because you do. You let this stuff slide. You assume that you've got it, you know, rather than um, working the word like you should. You memorize a scripture, but after a while it's coming out of the top of your head, not out of the depth of your being. And you have to get it down in the depth of your being. And you have to be very careful about that and, and very serious about it. And you have to keep it in the midst of your eyes. And, you know, I, I understand the hearing, but but it also says keep it in front of your eyes all the time so you see it. Um, and Did you hear the Kenneth Copeland story? And I know he said said it lots of times, but he was going through a time of having um, problems, medical problems, mm-hmm. in his legs and all, and he was re- stating, making all these statements of scriptures and everything, and it, the pain wouldn't go away. And he asked God, you know, I've been doing all of this, I've been stating all these scriptures and all, why am I still suffering? And God said, because you've just been tossing off these scriptures. Go put it in front of your eyes. There you go. go. Look at those scriptures in the Bible. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Go put it in front of your eyes again. Yeah. And start reading them out. And isn't that then, something? It there it is. Yeah, yeah and I and that's, that's what he showed kinda, me about my knees too. He yeah, said, you know, get kinda, yeah, like off a little bit. Right. And you do, and and not getting them in front of your eyes, you know, assuming that you have it in your head, um, you also begin to depend on your speaking and not on what God did. You, you know, you begin to say, "Well, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm saying this, and I'm," but it's your faith your right. Your faith and your faith and instead it's a of mental exercise. It is. It is. You you're doing the right things. But your faith is in the wrong thing. It's, it's confidence in what you're doing, not in what God's already done. It, and it's it's a deadly hair to split. But it is it is a hair splitting thing. And um, yeah. So if you just go back to this one, start with verse thirty three. All right. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We know that. And that's just whatever you believe to be fully true, whatever you have fully imagined in your mind, that is the thing that's going to happen. 
Okay. Excuse me. Uh, Matthew 12, 33, 34. Yeah. 34. And 34. Oh, okay. I started with root of viper. Okay. I'm, I'm fine. Oh, did I? I started at 34 instead of 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. Corrupt's a much better word than evil. For the tree is known by its fruit. Generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Um, for out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And that's just that's just spiritual truth. Yep. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things or corrupt things. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Because by your words you'll be justified... By your words, you'll be condemned. Um, Kenneth Hagin used to say, you have what you say. You know? But, um, and that's Matthew, I mean, that's Mark eleven twenty two. Whatsoever you say, you know, you shall have whatsoever you say. If you believe and doubt not. Um, but, um, you know, when it's talking about about making your heart good, um, it's it's literally a sense of how your heart is. Um, it's not just loading it up with good things, but literally transforming your heart. It's a state of being. That word um, for good there is agathos. Um, and because out of the goodness of your heart, agathos. And that's how it ought to be, but it has to be a transformational thing. It's a state of being. It's how you are. And that's what being born again does for you. It gives you a new heart. Um, a heart that's capable of producing good things, you know. Um, and evil, the word evil there, you evil people, how can you be, you know, make good fruit? And that word evil is literally hurtful and calamitous, diseased, vicious, malicious, grievous, and wicked. Paneros is the word. Um, so, um, um, when you open your mouth with corrupt thinking, that's what comes out of it. You can shoot your own self in the foot or you can shoot somebody else with your words. You can destroy, cause all kinds of doors to open in your life that you don't want. Um, and the word bring forth is really interesting. Out of that heart you bring forth something. It literally means to cast forth, thrust out, or expel. So there you go. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. When you speak, you are throwing out, casting out, or expelling something that is going to manifest itself. And it's either going to be something that's really good, or it's going to be something that is really horrible. Hurtful, calamitous, diseased, vicious, and malicious. And that's exactly what's happened in the world. If you look at all of the much saying going on, look at how twisted and corrupted this world has gotten. The more people talk, the more corrupt it gets. What happened when 24-7 cable came out? Yeah. Nothing but talking. And that's it. And yeah, exactly right. Um, and that's what Adam Clark says. He says, before the heart can produce any good... It has to be completely renewed and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's not going to produce anything good. It has to be, I like that, Holy Spirit influenced. You know. 
Um, words pondered silently produce nothing. But if you open your mouth and, and speak it, you know, Jesus says, take no thought saying. You know, thoughts are going to come and, and go. But he tells you if you take the thought, don't, you know, you can think it and then cast it aside. But once you say it, you've taken it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in, in uh, Matthew 7. Is it 631? Matthew 631. But, but he says, don't take a thought saying, which means if you speak it, you've taken that thought, whatever it is. So ponder silently and think about stuff before you open your mouth and say it. Do I want to take this one or do I want to let this one pass by? You know, don't just, don't take every thought that comes through your brain. The devil can kill you with that, you know? Um, so be careful about that. A lot of people speak without having it go through their brain. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Entirely. Yeah. So let me just give you another faith vision here. Just um, a, a way to think about how this whole thing works. If you think about your brain, okay, it houses this grand manufacturing facility. Just think about that. And it makes an unfathomable number of products and never shuts down 27, 24-7. It's working. We don't own the factory. God owns the factory. But he has made us the general operating manager. That's, that's our job. The general operating manager for the factory. And we determine what's produced and we determine how much is produced. We determine what's warehoused and we determine what's shipped out. That's what we do. That's our job. The quality and the quantity of output then is going to be determined by the quality and the quantity of input. That's it. Garbage in, garbage out. Exactly right. So to produce a good product, the raw materials have to be of the highest quality and the manufacturing process has to be exact. So quality control is very important in our um, in our little company here, in our little no. manufacturing operation. Okay. So you have to have new thoughts. You have to think what God thinks. You have to put in the raw material. And if you don't put in an, enough raw material, you know, you have space left over. The devil's going to put in raw material. He'll be glad to fill up your empty warehouse. Yeah. Okay. And what you hold on to, you know, may or may not be produced, but you just don't want to Hold on to anything that the world's going to put in your warehouse. You know, you want to use only the best materials. Chunk everything else out. So raw materials are important. Um, Romans 12.1 says, just absolutely transform your manufacturing operation so that only good goes in and only good comes out. So you have to do that first. Um, Then you have to sink your roots in the love of God. And come to know the love of God, the width, the breadth, the height, the depth of it. You know, that's all good raw material stuff. And you fill up your brain with all the raw materials and the very nature of God, you know, that's in you. That has to be there. Those, that's your good raw materials. And then, of course, the process. The amount of time you think and ponder on something, you know, is going to determine the quantity and the, and the excellence of the product. Um, and then the product is fruit. We're fruit producers. But it, 
in in Matthew 12, he says, you know, um, make the tree good and the fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. We want our product to be good, or the treasure that comes out of our heart to be good. So, um, because we're farmers, that's what God made Adam to begin with. He said, I need somebody to tend and keep this garden, so he made a man. So since we're gardeners, we're just going to bring forth a fruit product, whatever it happens to be. You know, canned peaches or something. I don't know. But as a general manager, we determine all of the above. Um, our production is started in Mark 22, 4.22. We just read it. The amount of time you spend thinking on the Word. Okay. The potential products are stored then until the warehouse is packed full. So there's a, once the raw materials go in, you think on it, you're making products, you're making image, 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 image. The, the stronger the image gets, the fuller your warehouse is. When your warehouse gets really full of something, you're gonna open your mouth and that's the distribution side of your business. You're gonna distribute whatever's in the warehouse. Good or bad, the voice that carries the abundance of thought is going to deliver that product. An installation of that product is instantaneous. The product is functioning at full capacity. The minute you open your mouth, you can't take it back. It is done. And um, so you want to be really careful about that, um, that manufacturing process. So I started trying to do that this week. I was going, okay, raw material in. And you think, how much good material did I take in? How much yuck did I take in? And you know what? <clears throat> Even working, working at it, the abundance of yuck that gets into the warehouse is just unbelievable. <laughs> On the front end, yes. The, the, the amount of junk that goes in is just unbelievable. And um, so then I start going, okay, not thinking that. I'm not going to, not going there, you know. No, I'm not going to take that one. Yeah. But um, it's like, you know, just a vacuum. One leaves and the next one comes. One leaves and the next one comes. Um, <clears throat> and then job evaluation. And, you know, we have a boss. There's God right there. So he says, by your words, you're going to be judged. And by your words, you will be condemned. Oh, you know? We're not only gardeners, but we're manufacturers. Yeah. Isn't that something? <laughs> and and there's God. And he's going to take care of the quality control issues that we have. And he's going to work on that. But if, eventually there's job evaluation that's going to happen. And um, so when you think about your mind like that, just start thinking, like Nate said, garbage in, garbage out. So you want the good stuff in and the, and the bad stuff out. It, and just if you make just one day, just do it consciously to think about, yeah, what did I just hear? What have I, you know, what have I been chewing on all day? I've had a few of those days where I've just been chewing on things, you know, issues and stuff like that that just gall me no end. And then you think, well, I'm just putting all that garbage back in my warehouse. You know, all that garbage back in my warehouse. Just clean it out. Now it's back in the warehouse again. So um, it's a big challenge. Think about it this way. That's the receiving department. 
There you go, the receiving department. There you go. We'll get this whole manufacturing thing going. The receiving department takes in all this junk. So quality control starts at the receiving point, doesn't it? (laughs) Not taking that thought. Well, that was a fast party. Well, they just blew in and blew out, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, cow. I just well, suddenly kids, realized it's quiet. What did the kids want? Already. They wanted to go take their gifts home. They well, there you go. Unopened. Um, they aren't even open yet. Mm-mm. Yeah. They have their big bag of whatever gifts they got, and yeah. so they got them. They got quiet. Like that's almost fun. instantaneous. <laughs> I just realized how quiet it was all of a sudden. Oh, the silence. That was that was fast. Yeah. No, they had them too. They received them. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> But they certainly did. Yeah. That's funny. I like it. Yeah. So, okay. So now think about that part of it. So with our factory, we have a call on our lives. We were called to replenish the garden. We were called to multiply, spread the garden. We were called to populate the garden. Mm -hmm the kingdom of God, and we were called to subdue it and rule over it. Now, that's what we're supposed to do with our factory. That's the, what would you call that, your business statement, your, you know, whatever, your the business statement, whatever it is that tells people what you do. That's what we're called to do, all right? And that's what we are to be measured by. Um, So... When we start this, when you start thinking about that, then you then you need to start thinking about what do you want the product to look like. So on the other end, you want to see good things spreading. You want to see the good coming out and producing in your life, in the lives of your family members, in the lives of your neighbors, in the lives of people you know around you. You want to see good products manifesting themselves around you. Then you want to see the kingdom multiplied. Are you sowing that kind of seed? Are you putting a product out there like the word of God so that people hear it? Because we want to bring in new babies here. We want to bring in new spiritual beings. And like Paul says, you know, sometimes I water and somebody else um, throws the seed and sometimes somebody else fertilizes, but God gets the harvest. But we have to still be about that business of being sure that we're sowing the word, you know, wherever we go, that we have a opportunity to speak a word somewhere, maybe not even for somebody to hear, but maybe a word just into somebody's life, whether they know it or not, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we have to be sure that we're doing that. And then we have to be sure that we are subduing and ruling over it. And... um um so we want to be sure that we are using our authority and our power to take authority over what goes on. And, I mean, it's everywhere. The evil is just everywhere. And I think, I mean, to me, honestly, as the days goes on, I feel like I need a bath about every five minutes. You know, I mean, I was just telling Bill, TV commercials, they're just horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, just horrible. Yeah, and nobody's shocked at them anymore. And um, and um, what they sell is not underwear. That's not what they're selling. And then you find them right when kids are watching TV. It's just shameless. 
you know, what goes on. And then you look at what's going on politically. You know, that's just a garbage dump in D.C. I have to stop watching Oh. Because yeah. it pulls you down. It is. It is I just a garbage I dump. Two weeks. I didn't watch the news yeah, for two we weeks. Down. And you're better for it. <laughs> and I started, just, I watched the um, Christian TV stations. There you go. Instead. And what right. difference it made in my days. Uh, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have to, um, we need to spend a little more time here talking about subduing and ruling. Um, I think we understand that you can speak the word over your circumstances, speak it, you know, sow the word, just speak the word wherever you go. Open your mouth, let the word fly out. Um, whatever's strong in your heart, let it go. But um, I think we need to spend a little more time on the subduing part. Um, because um, I want to see where we are and how much time we've got. So we just need to spend a little more time on that. Um, and too often, or at least for me lately too often, I found myself in struggles with flesh. Instead of recognizing that we don't struggle with flesh, we, we struggle with the spirit realm. And, um, yeah, just, you know, certain circumstances that have come up lately, um, you want to fix things in the flesh. I mean, that's just a quick way to do it here. But you realize that we, the war that's going on is bigger than what you're seeing in the flesh anyway. Mm -hmm. It's way bigger. And... Um, we just need to understand that the source of our power and dominion is not in, in so much in the material realm. It's in the spiritual realm. And then what is changed in the spiritual realm then manifests itself in the material. And um, so with the word in our mouth, then um, we can do that. And that's the force of the spoken word. So go to Revelations chapter 1. Let's look at Jesus. Where are we going? Revelations chapter 1. And remember what John says on the way back. First John, he says, As he is now, so are we in this world. Mm. And this one, this gets me... Um, Rick Joyner has written so many prophetic books over the years. Um, and uh, his prophecy for the 21st century was just amazing to me. I don't know if you read that book. But in that book, God gives him a vision of what the church looks like in the 21st century. And the church, is, he says he, he sees an army, what's supposed to be an army. And he says, just uncountable numbers of people. And they're just wandering around. They're not in ranks. They're not in anything. Now, there are banners that say, you know, here's your unit or your whatever. He said, you could tell the, that people closer to the front were a little more in order. And you could tell what unit you were supposed to be with. But all the people in the back are milling around like they don't even know what they're doing. Then as you move closer and closer to the front lines, they begin to line up. He said the people in the back didn't even have uniforms. 
Most of them didn't even have uniforms. And this is the church that he's looking at. Mm-hmm. So as you get closer to the front, and they began to have at least uniforms that you could identify. But some of them had, like, plastic swords and water guns, and some of them had no weapons at all. Um, and some were um, marching, and some were on horses, but the horses were out of control. And then you got really up close to the front lines, and there you found well-equipped soldiers, well-organized people and they were marching on a mountain as if they're going to assault this mountain. And um, he was talking about how these generals in the front lines were shouting out orders, you know, telling people which way to go. But it was just lost on the church behind. That right now the church, the 21st century church, is just chaotic. Yeah. It's not organized. They don't even realize they're in a war. And if somebody says they're in a war, they're not taking it seriously. They're walking around with plastic swords and water guns and, you know, little plastic guns. And they don't realize that we're even in a battle. And then he said there were soldiers on the mountain that were just ripped to shreds. And angels that were battling that were ripped to shreds. Just um, shredded because they're taking on the battle when the rest of the guys are just still wandering around in the back. And um, I should get that book out and try to bring it in and read some parts of that to you. It's really, it's um, it's a stunning vision that he had. What's the name of it? Um, I, I think it's the, the Prophecy of the 21st Century Church. Okay. And, um, or for the 21st <laughs> Century. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll find the title and, okay. and, and let you know. But... Um, yeah, it's, it, it was an amazing description of the mess that the church is in. Let me write this down so I don't forget it. And this I won't forget. So. That's why Rick Joyner. Mm-hmm. We can just go online. And Probably can. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's remarkable anyway, but I, but I love his books. And um, that one has just, it, I've read it four or five times, and every time I read it, but it's been a, several years since I pulled that one off the shelf. I need to pull it off and reread it. Well, bring back to him, Onward Christian Soldiers. Yeah. Oh, I love the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marching as to war. Right. And, and I think that message needs to get back out to the church. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, our church has been under attack here for a while. Mm-hmm. We, we've been under a huge attack. But people don't know it. People don't have a grasp of what's going on here. But the enemy has tried to take a toehold here. And um, he's doing a pretty good job right now. And um, we have to get this under control. And um, only God's going to be able to do that for us. Um, go to, go to, all right, you're in Revelations, right? Revelations 1. You're there. Let's just look at Jesus here. Um, verse uh, 12. As he is, so are we in this world. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, like 
one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. Now go to Revelations 19. Um, Start with verse 11. Because... um, if you just read this really quick, and, and it is true, it is the weapon of our warfare, the choice weapon of our warfare, fair, the words of our mouth. Um, that's in Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But um, this is what Jesus does with the sword, and that's why I want to show it to you, what he's doing with the sword here. Um, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he tread the winepresses of fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So with that sword in his mouth, he actually went to war and flattened the nations. He didn't use a, 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 like an atomic weapon. He used the word in his mouth, the sword that went out of his mouth, the word of God. And with that, he could rule with an iron rod and smash the nations. Now, we're not into smashing nations so much. But I'll tell you what we are into is taking the promised land. And um, this is our paradigm. Um, I think I explained, I told you about the book, The Paradigm. How Old Testament stories, you can lift them out and lay them, overlay them right on top of modern history. You know, and they fit. You know. And um, so our paradigm for the body of Christ is Joshua. He's our paradigm. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to to take this land. We're called to spread the Garden of Eden, to take dominion and rule over it. We are called to take the Garden, um, to take the promised land and enter into the rest of God. That's that's what we're commanded to do. That's what Adam was commanded to do. Um, Just look at Hebrews 4 for a minute. One of the reasons... Like in our church right now, we're not at rest. You know, we don't rest in the power of God, knowing that God's, you know, working. We're not at rest here. We're not at ease. And um, 
We're in dis-ease, which is not good. There's strife and all kinds of things going on here. Um, so we're in dis-ease. Um, but, but look at Hebrews 4, verse 2. We'll read down through 6 and then skip down to 9. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Talking about the children of Israel in the desert. Okay, The gospel was preached to them just like it was preached to us. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in, in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into a rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. There it is. Everything God's going to do. He's already done. But we have to get to that place of rest. Now that doesn't mean uh, lazy slothfulness. It means that we, our faith is so strong in the living God that we can rest and that what we do is going to take care of the problem because He's on top of it. You know, That's where the rest is. Um, for He spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all His works. And in this place again, if you shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. Now go to verse 9. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. And that's powerful. We just cease from our own doing. Okay, we cease from our own work as God did from His. So let us labor therefore to enter into the rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief because, here we go, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That Word of God is so powerful, even in conquering our own own thoughts, our own fears, our own whatever, but um, there is a rest where we can enter in. And... um, It doesn't mean that you stop doing things, but Jesus, even when he was ministering, all the time ministering, he was still in a rest, a position of rest, because he was absolutely certain that what he said was what God wanted him to say, and what he did was what God told him to do. And um, so there's a rest in that, and the church has got to get to that place where we can rest in it. Joshua was about to take the promised land. He was about to go in and God had told him, wipe everybody out. Don't leave anybody. Not because God was being cruel, but because the evil in those societies was like a cancer. You leave a cancer cell and it's going to multiply and grow and kill you. It will come back to bite you. Kill everything. Even the cattle. Everything goes. And so Joshua... Yeah, Joshua Joshua was was um, gearing up to do what God told him to do. Um, I think I'm glad he didn't tell Joshua right off the bat that that's what was going to happen. But he told Joshua, you're going to go take that land. Well, for us, 
what we're doing is taking back our authority because Satan and all his demons are squatters on the land. Just like all those tribes were squatters on the land that God had given to Aram's descendants. And they had to go take it, but they had to take it by force. So I so clearly understand Jesus was saying, you know, the kingdom of God was taken violently and those that take it back, take it by force, take it violently. It's not, it isn't, and it isn't a pretty picture. It isn't an easy picture. And um, so we have to go back now to our paradigm where Joshua started, because this is where we start. Um, look at verse 5 there, Joshua chapter 1. here in just a second. Um, I made a note here, which is really true. You absolutely cannot be passive in the spirit realm. You cannot be passive in the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. That's what happens with the church, though. Yeah. We are passive. We are passive. Exactly right. We're expected to be the body of Christ, but we are totally passive. And, and uh, you know, don't want to offend. Right, don't want to offend anywhere, not even in the spirit realm. You know, we don't we don't see an army rising up and doing spiritual warfare, really seriously. You know, getting trained and getting to the point where you can actually stand in the spirit realm and you know grasp what's going on. But um, we are in a war. We are definitely in a war. Okay, read this with me here, starting with verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give him. Well, guess what? In Christ Jesus... The land, the world, inheriting the world, um, that was given to us. Um, I'm going to read that scripture to you in just a minute. It's our inheritance. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. In other words, not only keep it in your mouth, but don't, don't look away from it. Don't turn to the right or the left. Keep looking square at the word all the time. Look at it, look at it, look at it. Keep it in your mouth, mumble it, chew it, meditate on it. The book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do it. And meditate means to mumble, to speak, to chew on, um, over and over and over. Um, so that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid and be not dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
So the first thing he tells him to do, um, we're to rise up and we are to be strong. Okay? The word strong there, hazak, it means to be, and I love these words, listen, when it says strong, fortified, and I love this one, obstinate, and hardened, prevailing, as if urgent, Okay, so that's what it means to be strong. It means be fortified, be obstinate, be hardened, you know, sure and solid and and mighty as if a very urgent thing. And then the last word is violent. Be violent if you have to. Not in the physical now, but in the spirit realm. That's what he's saying. You be strong. Of course, he was going to have to be violent in the physical realm too. Then he says, that's to be strong. Then he says, be courageous. And that means physically and mentally alert, steadfastly minded, and obstinate in the face of the enemy. So in other words, you have to be on your game all the time. Every minute, thinking on that word, night and day, aware of the fact that you're in a battle. Not that you're fighting every minute, but that you're... You're always looking around you. You're alert to whatever's going on. You never let your guard down. And we let our guard down here in this mm-hmm. church. We let the guard down and, you know, the devil got in the back door. It's not only this church. It's every church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. Yeah. The word comes to mind is uh, conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, and discernment. We need to be discerning of everything. We need to be so careful about that. Spiritual discernment. But So when, when, when God was talking to Joshua, He says, this is how you have to be. This is how you have to have. This is your attitude. You can't ever let down. You have to be mentally alert, steadfastly minded. You have to be fortified and obstinate and hardened. You know, and and mighty and all those things. That's what you have to be. Now, God didn't say, I'm going to make you that way. He said, you have to be like that. That's what it has to be. So, in other words, our faith in the power and the promises should be so strong that nothing can move us. Not a stick of TNT, not anything else going on can move us from what is true. Not from what we see, but from what is true. And if we are obstinate on this word, we're going to run into all kinds of problems. Because the enemy is trying to get us to stop being obstinate. The enemy's trying to say, oh, just give in. You know, this is okay, and that's okay, and um, this sin is acceptable, and that sin's acceptable. Just let it go, you know? And we have to be sure and obstinate and strong and positive about what we believe, and then we have to have the guts to stand up about it. You know? And the enemy is not going to be happy with us, but we're facing a war here. And that's the whole thing. And honestly, this isn't going to get better. Um, the dark is going to get darker, Yes. and the light's got to get lighter. And um, it's just, it isn't going to get better. Um, I was so amazed. Um, a lot of pastors now, um, a, a lot of the prophets in the area are beginning to say, wow, this is one of the... When Trump 
announced that um, not only did he recognize Jerusalem as the capital, because other presidents have done that, we are moving our embassy. That was like one of the last linchpins in all of prophecy, in Daniel um, especially. That was one of the last ones. And um, so we have to be strong. And I don't know about you. Make that 17th. Yes. I don't know about you, and I was talking to Arch Whetstone today, and he asked me if I was feeling this. There's a sense of urgency in everything now that has not been there before, but a strong sense of urgency. And he said, are you feeling that? I said, I've been feeling it for a year, more than a year, and I've gotten to the point where um, I'm impatient with people, I'm impatient with, um, you know, slow growth and no growth. I'm impatient with a lot of it to the point of just being... Tacky with myself, but um, yeah, I mean, or obstinate. That's it, obstinate. And um, but yeah, yeah. That I was thinking when we are the manufacturer, and I thought, you know, sometimes where you are the um, the sole source of this manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I'm the the one that's doing all. Yes. We don't work at any of this. Mm -mm. The church Mm -mm. does not work at Mm -mm. understanding what this is meaning to us. I don't think we, I just kept thinking, well, that's a lot of work for one person, you know, for me. Yeah. That's a lot of work. But yet, if if I'm to be obstinate and fortified in all these words. Yeah. There's work involved. You take it. Yes. There's work involved. And people don't want to work. No. They don't want to work at anything. No. So there's no work ethics. Yeah. So why should we, you know, the millennials and the whole—it's work. Mm-hmm. And if the Christians don't want to work at it, or the right. so-called Christians, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I wonder if they knew that there was some demon that had a sword in their throat, if that would, you know, fire them up a little bit to let them know. But um, I don't know. I don't know if it would. Well, I think the other thing is the lack of knowledge. They yep. there's a, they're fine with what's going on, and if mm. that's the status quo. Okay, I, I'm, I've got it. I've whatever. got it made. Right. Whatever. And they whatever. don't realize whatever. the work yeah. involved. Right. You're not going to do that, and you're going to go as a the, just the way everybody else goes. They're not going to. They're no. never going to want it. Where no, do you get not. the hunger? Right. never going to be a hunger no. for it. No. When we were talking about the rest, I read one time that the condition of rest in the biblical sense uh-huh. is knowing who you are and whose you are. Amen. Yes. Well said. That's it. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Then anything that comes, you know, we've read the end of the book. We win. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, that's yeah, thing. We yeah, exactly. So, and in the meantime, we better be about our dad's business, you yes. know. And if Jesus dealt with all that junk, then we better be ready to deal with it too, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I so want to see us get to the place where we really look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, we're laying hands on people and seeing them heal. We're seeing miracles, feeding the five thousand, walking on the water. I mean. I want to see a church that glorious. I want to see it someday. And um, this, and it starts here. Yeah. I want to see that too, but you know there's this attitude in this church. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. That you think you can lay your hands on me and get your prayer answered. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
and and um, so you're right. And Jesus had the same problem. And yeah, wasn't taught growing up. Right. Hear that kind of teaching. Right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry for you. That's it. You're lost. Right. Yeah. It's like you know. You just hope someday they see the light. Yeah, you do. You really do. You hope that. Pray over them. Yeah, pray. You do. Pray over them. Yeah, you know. And pray for yourself. You, know, you need to. I don't know about you, you, but start hearing this kind of teaching yeah. because obviously your your teaching hasn't worked yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe if you get some of this teaching, it might start help to you believe the word of God. Yeah. You'll get what you're asking for. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. One yeah. of the gentlemen of this church who is now deceased, but he he said once, "Why should I care about anything else?" He said, "I've got mine. That's all I care about. I know where I'm going." Mister Nicole. It's a he might be surprised, <laughs> or he may have been surprised. Depart from me, I never knew you. Wow. Speaking of laying on hands. Uh... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 